0: Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Boldo Racing Team.
1: Hi, I'm James Moffat from the Norton Hornets. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Group, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, oh, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the Bolt, so I've um, <laughs> be, been here before.
2: I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing.
1: Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it yeah. from the tracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars
3: hello and welcome to inside supercars this week to discuss the topics of the week from auto action it's the national editor in gary o'brien good evening gary Good
4: evening, Craig. Good evening,
3: everyone. And of course, from uh, Wakefield Park, and of course, Winton with the three hundred on this weekend. It's Lachlan Mansell. Good evening, Lockie.
0: Good day, Craig. Good day, Gary. And good day, Lockie.
3: <laughs> we'll get the gratuitous plugs in now, Lockie. Uh, the Winton three hundred, the the final race in that all important uh, all important endurance series
0: the Australian Endurance Championship coming up this weekend at Winton and great field of cars. A total of 60 cars entered for the race meeting should be good. We've also got the improved production nationals on at Wakefield Park this weekend and in fact Gary's actually going to be filling in for me at Wakefield to do the commentary while I'm down at Winton.
3: It's busy time, isn't it, this uh, lead up into Christmas as we get ready to... Well, of course, last weekend we crowned a whole bunch of champions at the Shannon's Nationals. I think everyone's expecting that the uh, crown will be sized up and fitted at Phillip Island, which will certainly suit v Supercars because that means they get Marcus Ambrose back and no dissenting stories about championship. Everyone will be just running to... Uh, running to their merits, if it were. But one interesting decision that has to come up in the uh, next few months is who's going to drive the second Volvo? Uh, Robert Dahlgren's not staying on. And Volvo Polestar, in a Speed Cafe story, has said... It's up to Gary. So interesting to see. We'll talk about the speculation on who that might be later in the show. Lockwood, they're joining the list of departing sponsors. VADX Magazine has uh, had that story this week. And uh, interesting also to see who BGR might pick up. I know there's a lot of speculation that Rockstar energy drinks might be coming back in a prominent way on a v8 supercar they've been on uh, macaulay's uh dunlop series car this year already scott mack though Lockman, he's looking to at least get one record away from jamie Winkup by season end
0: yeah that's the pole position record and the pole position award for season 2014 he's had eight pole positions so far this year so the qualifying performance from the Volvo Polestar V8 Supercars has been very impressive when you consider that it's Volvo's first year in V8 Supercars. Not matched so much by the race pace, though, because Scott's only had two race wins as compared to his eight pole positions. But, um, yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to see in the closing rounds if you can defeat Jamie Wincup to get that pole award for this season. Also, an interesting story in the Sydney Morning Herald, written by the very well-respected Motorsport journalist Mark Fogarty about the new manufacturers in V8 supercars and how they've performed so far. The fact that Since last year, all of the new manufacturers have managed to score race victories. Nissan, of course, was first on the board with their win at Winton last year. And then this year, we've also had race victories for Mercedes with League Holdsworth at Winton and Volvo, of course, with a couple of race wins as well. But what Fogues particularly touched on is the fact that Volvo has been able to get their car up to speed a lot more quickly than either. Sadie, Zerebus or Nissan, and you suggested that that's because by delaying their entry into the series for a year after the Car of the Future regulations came in, they were able to get a grasp on the technical regulations and spend that year thinking about how to best develop their engine package in particular.
3: Yeah, it was an interesting interesting one because there were some concessions that were given to Erebus that weren't available to Nissan, and that, of course, is part of the whole parody story. But, Gary, when we talk about parody, and we certainly talk about 2017 when more manufacturers are looking to come into the sport, and it seems Dave McCowan at Fairfax has uh, written the story about Lexus, considering that they might make the move, which of course everyone's been saying oh we've got to get toyota in we've got to get toyota in but could the prestige brand of toyota be in before the uh, the common car
4: well that's quite possible uh, uh, depending on uh, what rule package they go with and whether they allow two-door coupes to run in the series as opposed to the uh, four-door sedans basically that are there now and the other thing of course is uh, what engine configurations they'll eventually settle with we know it's Already been signed off by the other teams. We just haven't been privy to finding out what that is as yet. Mm. Whether it be uh, a turbo four, a turbo six, uh, a V eight, well, or a combination thereof, or even a V ten or a V twelve, uh, could be in the likelihood.
3: Mm, we'll see. The Bentley's back out there again, guys. Uh, Bruce Newton has also talked about the change for V eight supercars as he's. Uh, followed on from, I guess, Phelps's one-on-one with James Warburton before the Gold Coast.
4: Yeah, well, that, that's just uh, a further part of the uh, the Lexus story, isn't it, with the, what they're calling Gen 2. But we were having a chat about this amongst some VA people the other day, We we sort of figured this is Gen 4, not Gen 2. We don't know how they've come to that uh, Gen 2, obviously under the car of the future, guys, that they've come to this, but it it is a, a real change of direction, should they decide to um, opt for different body styles and for different engine configurations. And I know I spoke to Richard Emery at Bathurst from Nissan, and um, they, they're keen to go with the engine package, but they're not so keen to, to, say, perhaps use a Skyline or something along those lines. They'd much rather stick with their Altima.
3: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting balance, that's for sure. Our feature interview is right after the break here on Inside Supercars.
1: Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. The only, the only things Ross is ever critical on are things that, A, you're going to make the car go faster or B, going to make the race team look better. So he's um, he's honestly taken on board the, the team and, and almost, you
3: know it's, it's great to see how much actually he's passionate.
1: Supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au or sign up for the podcast on iTunes.
3: Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard from Lockwood Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars.
1: Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh,
0: we were able to beat the two level to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Beckley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after um, taking the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the Raptor uh, representative family.
1: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community, radio, and online at sportradio.com.au.
3: Hi, I'm
0: Dale Wood from Team Advam GB Gal, and you're listening to Inside Supercars.
3: Robert hey you've been racing for a long, long time. Mm. Have you seen as crazy a day as you experienced at the Bathurst 1000? No, no, definitely not.
2: And I spoke to to Greg Ritter. He just he goes like, "Oh, anything can happen at Bathurst." And I asked him after, "I like, was this what you meant?" He said, "This is like everything a little bit more." So it's like, no, it's. I did. I did. I knew it was, oh, Or I expect it to be a lot of safety cars because the track has been very unpredictable to to judge the the grip level. So, and because you need to push so hard to to do the times from time to time, and and just goes like the grip just goes when it goes, and because the walls are so close. So, I thought actually, I thought actually it was it felt like it was getting better and better, and the track was picking up grip. And for us, that suited our setup more and more. So the longer the race went on, the f- faster in comparison to others we, we started to get So um, in the end there, we looked really good on our strategy. I mean, you'd never know what, what sort of like safety cars is. It's easy to say afterwards. But like when we stopped, we looked, we looked at aiming for about a seven, eight, something. So uh, would have been my best finish, and uh, you know, for this year. And... The target was to get into top ten because I knew it was too early in qualifying. Like I hadn't got up to speed with a with a car and you know with oh with a car on this track. But towards to like say that after about thirty laps in the car today in the race, uh, the times just got better and better all the time, and yeah, it felt really good. So yeah, I'm, I'm gutted that I um, yeah made the mistake going up there and yeah just. Put a wheel a little bit too far out and lost the rear. And yeah,
3: can you believe the top two cars on the podium had come out of the wall, bounced off the wall at least once throughout the course of the weekend? No, that's just it's just crazy. I mean, you you wouldn't see this. It must go to the
2: history books. This race, it was it was really strange. I mean, I I watched a few bathers before in the past, like high and stuff. But I don't know how they're going to do highlights of this. It's just going to cover like a whole day.
1: <laughs> the views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. <laughs>
3: Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from Erebus Motorsport, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. So back to our program guests now, Gary O'Brien and Lachlan Mansell. And Lachlan, interesting, Clipsal has extended their contract. They've concerned the Dunlop Series as a season opener, but they're going to keep with this sprint race Saturday, long race Sunday, and no twilight races. Wouldn't it be, make sense that you drop the twilight races, you drop the sprint format as well and, and go back to the traditional two hundred and fifty k each day?
0: Well, the one hundred and twenty five times two on Saturday this year seems to work quite well i think um, and also in keeping it consistent with their other other what they call super straight format races when you do have the pair of the one hundred and twenty five k races on the Saturday followed by the two hundred and fifty K race on the Sunday. I think just some consistency, that's what they've decided to do. Good that the Dunlop Series is going to open its season at Quintzel next year. There were some reports that they were looking at having it on the uh, test day weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park, and that would have been even more of a blow to the Bathurst 12-hour because it would have ruled out not only all the main game drivers from participating in the 12-hour, but also all of the Dunlop Series drivers as well. So Thankfully, the Dunlop series will begin at the Clipsaw and not at the Sydney Motorsport Park.
3: Gary, we're still talking about this clash and it is still a ridiculous situation to be in, isn't it?
4: Well, yeah, I agree. Most definitely uh, not something we liked or seen. Um, I still haven't figured out why we would uh, rather not go up against a different sport rather than our own. And I know Cam's have always mandated that there's not two, two major events in the one state on the one weekend. They've never actually enforced it. And also, uh, for the first time, um, the uh, test day is actually calendared on the V8 uh program for next year so it's a must attend for all their drivers and teams
3: they're really playing a, a an interesting game here i don't know who's going to be the winner out of it i think motorsport will be the loser in fact but yeah thoughts, i agree yeah your thoughts on the clips Ah,
4: uh, clips yeah that's an interesting one i think the uh development series is a bit of an oversight when they signed everyone else up Someone thought about it and thought, wait a minute, we're missing a category here that's normally here, and that's being the Dunlop Development Series because we've got GTs, uh, Ferrari Asia Pacific, the stadium off-road thing from Robbie Gordon's thing from America. We've got V8 Utes, we've got uh, Carrera Cup, and, um, you know, all of a sudden they thought, oh, we've got a full program and we forgot about uh, Development Series. Anyway, they're slotted back in. It's going to be a busy start to the season. But the other thing I wanted to mention, just uh, quickly harping back on the, the, the two-sprint format on the Saturday and the longer race on Sunday, um, mandated for street circuits, we've just had the Gold Coast event, which had uh, just the two races each day, and they're only 50 k longer each day anyway. So for for that reason, I tend to agree with you, Craig, that uh, I think maybe they should go back to just the one race on the Saturday afternoon and one on the Sunday.
3: I certainly prefer it. Garth Tander was on this program earlier in the year saying that he doesn't like people messing with tradition like that. And, Lockie, you're a bit more open to mucking around with the tradition.
0: Yeah, I I mean, obviously it's event formats that work well. It's it's good to keep them from year to year. But at the same time, if you stick with tradition, then... You know, there's never any progress, is there? So you have to have a balance. And I think with Clipsaw, it's still the 500. It's still the Clipsaw 500. They still complete the same distance of racing over the weekend. It's just structured slightly differently.
3: Yeah, we uh, all know about the number and the relationship to kilometres. It's a a very loose fit at times. Uh, Look, uh, We've got a few drivers that are going to be making the rounds in the spare cars or the cars that they had to put together for the Gold Coast, Gary. Reynolds, Holesworth and Ingle, all going to be running the cars that are in the Gold Coast, not the rides that they've been with for the majority of the season.
4: Yeah, I'm not surprised at that. Uh, they're a fairly big operation to get it to rebuild a car. So if you've got a spare chassis or you've got got availability of a spare chassis, with only two rounds to go, it seems to make sense to get through this season and uh, then go, go full-on to prepare for next year.
3: Mm. Now, there's a lot of interest over in New Zealand at the moment, Lockie, because uh, we had Tim Slade teaming up over there to win the uh, 400 over in the New Zealand Enduro, and a lot of Aussies, including now Garth Tander, named in the Australian GT final t- Field, which will be down on the South Island of New Zealand, and that of course is along with Lowndes and Richards, who are driving in that event as well.
0: Yeah Garth Tanner's going to join Tony Quinn once again in the Aston Martin. Garth actually drove that car down at Phillip Island as well in an earlier round of the GC championship and um, ended up taking the race victory down there. so he adapted very well to that car. Um, John Bow, another Aussie who's making the trip over to drive with um, Marinello Motorsport in the Ferrari. It's actually a bit disappointing because he was supposed to be racing in the Winton 300 and he pulled out at the last minute to go and race his Ferrari overseas. So good luck to him.
3: Yeah, well, he is from across the water anyway, so maybe he feels more confident on the, uh, you know, on the smaller land masses off the mainland.
4: It's interesting Craig that when you bring up the this New Zealand round you got to remember that the uh, actual championship races are on the Saturday and may not be the two driver pairings we the, the driver pairings might be just for the 101 on Sunday which is a non-championship race.
3: Oh uh, yeah good point sorry I missed that too uh, I should have uh, I should have clarified that it, but it is part of that final round weekend and Quinny's racetrack is I, I haven't been there yet I don't know if you have Gary or Lockie but uh, it, it's supposed to be just something a sight to behold it is um,
4: I spoke to Clark Quinn after the Aussie racing car finale on the Gold Coast then non championship race and uh, he, he said he, he was acting like a little kid had just been let loose in a lot of shop he, he was uh, quite uh, smitten by the whole place and and what's been done to it is, he said it's like a dinosaur park. They've got big dinosaurs, a, a winery, a restaurant. Yeah, you know, your name it, it's it's all there. So it's an amazing facility. And and another little point on the 101. If uh, Garth Tender and Tony Quinn win that race next Sunday, that'll make him the uh, three-time winner of that event because he won the, the first one there last year and then the combination won at Phillip Island in uh, May.
3: Mm. And uh, I don't know, Lockie, did you pick up the pun there when he talks about Clark Quinn and lolly shops? Of course, Clark Quinn is now the managing director of Daryl Lee.
4: <laughs> well, uh, <he> has- ah, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> we had a big box of Jaffas in his hand at the time as well.
3: I- Trying to get... I think they would have been BBs, not Jaffas there. Oh, well,
4: they look like Jaffas to me, just oversized.
3: <laughs> One of my favourites there. Quinny wants to send me a box. Well, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. Plenty more when we return.
1: Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett from HHA Racing. You are listening to Inside VH 8 Supercars. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. The only, only things Ross is ever critical on are things that, a, are you're going to make the car go faster or B, going to make the race team look better. So he's um, he's, he's honestly taken on board the, the team and, and almost, you know it's, it's great to see how much actually he's passionate. Supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au or sign up for the podcast on iTunes.
3: Hi, I'm Scott Pye from Wilson Security, Dick Johnson Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Lachlan Mansell and Gary O'Brien. And uh, Lockie, what, what about more manufacturers in 2017? Is it going to see this Gen 2 car? Um, is it going to see really people jumping at it? Or do you think from the experience of Volvo, we'll have a few people playing Ducks and Drakes and come in in 2018 so that they can benefit from getting the chassis components all sorted down and bedded down and engine into the mix.
0: Yeah, well, I suppose there's a few questions here. Will we see any more new manufacturers or will we just see the existing manufacturers consolidating and maybe increasing their support? One of the things is that when you look at touring car categories right around the world, And while it's important to have some level of manufacturer support, you don't want the category to become totally reliant on manufacturer support because then if things start going a bit badly for a particular manufacturer and they need to cut their expenditure somewhere, motorsport's the first thing to go. And that can make the category a bit vulnerable if it's too reliant on manufacturer support. So I think we need to maintain the balance of having manufacturer involvement, but still some well-funded, I suppose, privately-affiliated operations for what is a better description. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, we're seeing at the moment the dangers of the v Supercar model or the Formula One model, as you can have too much reliance on manufacturers, you can also have too much reliance on the dividend from your TV and other sponsorship money. We've seen that in their supercars, and, and certainly Lockheed Formula One are feeling the effects of that now.
0: Well, Formula One in a big way, and that's not so much to do with being too heavily relied on the dividends, it's to do with the fact that it's been very unevenly dist- distributed in Formula One. Um, whereas your top teams are getting a very big slice of the pie, your teams down the back of the field are getting hardly anything, and that's why we've seen in the last couple of weeks or so, two teams, Katerham and Marusha, going into receivership and suggestions that some of the other teams like Sauber, um, Lotus and also possibly Force India are maybe on Struggle Street at the moment as well. And Bernie Eggleston's come out and said that, you know, maybe he should have done a bit better job of making sure there was more even distribution of wealth across the grid.
3: Mm, guess what? When you're at the front of the field, though, Gary, you don't want more money going to the back.
0: No, you
4: certainly don't, and um, I think Bernie Ecclestone had a had a hand in how those funds were distributed in the first place. So.
3: Yep, and that's why he's put his hand up, really. Yeah,
4: it. yeah. So he's um, he's taking the blame on that one, and it'll be interested to see what happens out of all of that. Whether they do come up with a uh, another way of distributing uh, the wealth amongst all the teams, mm. um, how you appease the teams that are getting the biggest slice of the pie and how you resurrect the ones that are already gone.
3: And, of course, the VR supercars, everyone gets the same slice. It depends on your licence numbers, Gary. But when you're speaking in the paddock, and you, you speak to such a wide range of people in the paddock, are you hearing anyone saying they want to get a piece of the slice other than the guys that have their licences in that limbo, which is called twenty or $30,000 at, uh, what was it, Australian Motor Racing Holdings?
4: Yeah, um, no, I haven't heard much from, from the teams in that respect. Admittedly, I haven't asked that question either. But, um, you know, that <laughs> there's, there's a likelihood that next year there may be some of those wrecks may become available again, particularly if we're hearing whispers about a couple of teams wanting to, uh, to expand or, or, get back into the groove and get back running again. It'll all hinge, I guess, on the, um, Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport uh, action against, uh, V8 supercars that's coming up.
3: Yeah, well, it's I don't know, Lockie, it sounds like there's not much room for that action after the court judgment of a couple of weeks ago.
0: It seems a bit messy, doesn't it? Some of the comments that were made in that judgment suggested that things could maybe have been constructed a bit better in terms of um, just the actual agreements with the racing entitlements contracts. so yeah no, it'll be interesting to see what the outcome is but for obvious reasons probably be careful to comment on anything while legal proceedings <laughs> are still going
3: silly season is interesting right at the moment gary nissan boss is backed uh, todd kelly to stay in the driver's seat andrew thompson wants to return tony d'alberto of course he wants his license back And then there's these three drivers who have got certainly a question mark on their future. Dave Wall, who is in the second seat at Johnson's at the moment, but we know Penske is not going to have a driver who hasn't won a championship. That's the way they're talking. Dale Wood, what's he going to do at BJR? And then where will Scotty Pye land? He's in the uh, seat that Marcus Ambrose is taking. Yeah, well,
4: we've had this scenario in the past So once... Once one move is established, all the others will seem to fall into place. But um, we know that uh, Scotty Pye is uh, linked to Triple uh, uh, 888 and was on loan to basically to, uh, to DJR uh, to get him into the main game, get the experience. Now, there is talk that he may become part of a second turn, a second car out of Techno, which used 888 chassis anyway. Uh, Jamie Windcup's contract's up at the end of next year there's a possibility he could go there and we're also uh, looking at dave wall we know that uh, with wilson security moving over to grm and um, he's always had uh, backing from uh, wilson security maybe he might move with it in that case he would go to the second volvo team that's another scenario who will actually jump into the second seat at djr that's a bit of a uh, conundrum at the moment and not sure uh, which way they will jump there i would suspect that uh, uh, Scott Pye would stay another year and that would fill that spot. Tony Delberto, it was interesting at the media conference on the Saturday at the Gold Coast that uh, uh, the question was asked whether what he was doing and where he was going next year and he said he'd dearly like to get in and there was a couple of sideways glances towards uh, Jonathan Webb and... (laughs) and, uh, and Shane Van Gisbergen is just to suggest that he might be part of their operation in the future.
3: Mm. Yeah, Lockie, and then there was that other wild card rumour that said that uh, Shane Van Gis might go to Triple Eight if uh, Jamie Winkup steps out. And, of course, as you know, Inside Supercars is pushing for the super team. Murphy Ambrose.
0: <laughs> yes, I, <laughs> I have heard about that. I think it's unlikely because I think Greg Murphy... <laughs> well on his way to having a full-time television commentary deal in place for next year. But, um yeah, it's going to be an interesting silly season as far as how all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. I mean, you know, if Dale Wood leads Brad Jones Racing, who replaces him there, is there an opportunity for somebody like Ashley Walsh, for example, to step up from the Dunlop series? Because that's sort of one thing we haven't looked at as drivers out of the Dunlop series who might have the potential to move up into the main game. Then you've got drivers overseas who are performing pretty well over there. Um, You know, the likes of Anton Di Pasquale, for example, who just won the um, European Formula Renault 1.6 Northern European series, probably focused on making a professional open wheel career over there. But... If that falls through and he runs out of funding to continue pursuing the overseas dream, because we maybe see him coming back home and trying to land a drive somewhere?
3: Mm, yeah, it's going to be very interesting, the silly season. And I haven't heard... Uh, about Jason Bright. His contract's up. Everyone is assuming that he'll be re-signed at BJR, but, uh, you know, could there be something going on there as well? It'll be interesting times ahead. A break and then a final thought after this here on Inside Supercars.
1: Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page. And to ask a question, email insiders at au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task.
2: We uh, were able to beat the two-level two level to the boys and,
0: uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do up and um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, representative family.
1: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online
3: at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottleo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. A final thought. Lock on Mansell.
0: Yes, my final thought is just like to recognise the efforts of Justin Ruggier, who won the V8 Touring Car Series at the Shannon's Nationals at Sydney Motorsport Park on the weekend, effectively the third tier of V8 supercar competition in Australia. And in doing so, an important piece of history, because the car that he won in has now won titles in all three tiers of V8 because it won the main game with Rick Kelly in 2006 and also the development series with Tony Dalberto in 2007
3: yeah, V8 Sleuth Stream Gary O'Brien, your final thought
4: <laughs> um, Shane Van Gisbergen's performance on the Gold Coast uh, uh, when everyone else was struggling to the past, people, he's just seemed to do it with uh, ease. And uh, I think uh, he's earmarked himself for um, a run at the championship next year. Mm.
3: Well, that's all we have time for this week on the show. Thanks to Gary and Lachlan. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now.
1: Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au